Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Very excited about today's episode because I am welcoming back James V. James has been a gift on the podcast before. He was up uh, on episode 50, where we talked about um, Amazon's entry into the geo industry. And he has also presented at GeoMob. He was a, a presenter at one of our online events where he talked about his GeoJSON ballparks uh, project back in 2021. Um, but today I want to talk about something entirely different with James. So he's had a long and diverse career across the uh, geospatial industry, different different companies and organizations. Um, but throughout that time, he's been very vocal and uh about kind of working in public, giving his opinions on what's happening in the industry. Um, so we're kind of roughly going to categorize that as he's been geoing in public. And we kind of wanted to get his his take about that and um, talk about some of the pros and cons of that approach. So, James, welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you so much. It's always funny when you remind me about that last podcast about talking about here and Amazon. And then like literally two months later, I'm working here and now I know everything about the subject matter. That's right. You, you <laughs> so, now you now work it here. So very, very quickly for, for those listeners that don't yet know you or haven't come across um, your your snarky comments online, how um, introduce yourself. Give us give us tell us tell us your story. Yeah, boy, I, I've been, so I, I'm, I'm turning 50 this year. So you said long. It's oh, congrats. Long congrats yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I've been, I've been, I think I learned GIS before there was GIS, like the, my university degree is in geography. Right. Um, and I, you know, and I, I did my capstone project with uh, Arc Info, and I was told I was going to fail unless I did it the old fashioned way with pen and paper. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was that was what I grew up with. But uh, I've been, you know, working in the GIS industry for, I guess, about 28 years, 29 years, coming up on 30 years. So well done. it's been a long time. Yeah, thanks. And it's funny, I, I stick around. You know, some people, <laughs> they say, have enough. I'm going to go make some real money somewhere else. But uh, there's something about maps and location that just keeps me keeps me occupied. But uh, take us on a brief tour of your career because now you're out here, which is obviously one of the one of the biggest yeah. geospatial companies. But like what what types of places have you worked and uh, just so people have a sense of it? Yeah, I mean, I my first job ever in GIS was working for a, a small city in, okay. in Arizona. And um, this is when they were doing the build out of the 3G towers. And so we were basically doing the zoning <laughs> for all oh, these well. towers. And it was this crazy you made map books. You remember those things we used to produce in paper and, and that kind of stuff. And then I got a job working for a big uh, engineering firm and doing work for the government. Did that for about 10, 15 years, worked for some startups. Some might fondly remember a company called WeoGeo in, in the past. Um, one of the first companies to ever build in the Amazon infrastructure. Uh, been working at other startups in the digital twin space. Um, and then I, I, seem, I seem either work for a small startup or I work for a billion dollar company. <laughs> there's, no, there's no middle ground here. <laughs> so... Yeah, so that's quite a tour. I mean, uh, local government, big companies, small companies. Yeah. That's that's. Uh, so you've seen a lot. You've seen a lot. Uh, I feel like I've seen a lot. Always learning something, but boy, you know, the the book of experience has a lot of weird chapters in it. <laughs> 
And I, I guess the one one constant across that, I don't know, maybe you can take us back to when you started with that, is but for, for many, many years, you've, you've been uh, blogging and commentating, using all kinds of different, you had a YouTube channel for a while, you had a podcast. So take us, take us through kind of your, yeah. your journey of kind of working in public. And how did you get into that? I started blogging 2005. And I do actually remember the time I was... I took a big leave of absence for a month, just taking time some off. I mean, some would call a sabbatical, but it wasn't, a, it was unpaid. So um, it wasn't really a sabbatical, uh, but went out to Texas where my, and my wife at the times in-laws lived middle of Texas, hill country, you know, ranch, uh, nothing to do there. And I just started thinking, I was like, man, this, this Esri SDE, you know, server stuff's just pain in the ass and I can't figure it out. Having trouble left and right. I'm just going to start blogging about my, my troubles and just get, let steam off. I had no, okay. you know, I didn't think anybody was going to actually read what I wrote, let alone, you know, <laughs> have people subscribe to it. Um, but that's what, that's what I did is, is I just started writing about that, but quickly somebody, I don't even remember who it was. I mean, maybe Sean Gillies or someone like that told me, you got to get out of SDE. You got to go to post And that's when I started focusing more on open source. So it's kind of like, that was the way for me to get out of, you know, a closed ecosystem uh, into something more open and have that collaboration. This was before Twitter. This was before Facebook. There was really no other way. Well, this is my first question. How did you, I mean, if you, if you just start venting your frustrations on your own personal site, how did people even discover that? How did you make it known? How did you? It was weird back then. So they had either linked to somebody, right? And oh, they right, would okay. get an alert, which you remember trackbacks back in the day. Oh. And then there was these blog engines that were like search engines that basically you would, I don't even remember how you work, but you'd submit your, your, like your feed RSS feed and stuff. Yeah. Technorati, I think was one of them. And there's oh, right, a whole bunch of these ones. Yeah. That you would put your, and so then somebody would go in and say, Esri GIS. And then I would float to the top because there was nobody, <laughs> nobody else blogging about this stuff. And then the single most, influential thing in my blogging world happened in August, 2005, Katrina, all of a sudden billions of people want to know what uh, Google earth was. And my blog traffic was like, it spiked up. I I had like ads on the site, just honestly, just to learn how to do ads. Right. And for the couple months there, when that was first, I was earning almost a thousand dollars a month of just people clicking on ads on my blog, wow. <laughs> you know, and that's how, that's how crazy it was. Uh, but that obviously calmed down. But I think that spike in the Katrina and people trying to get that information, whether you were in the GIS world or not, um, made my subscriptions go up and then people would share and um, things like uh, as we started engaging me. And so going to the developer summits and people would say, Hey, there's James. And, you know, let's have a, let's have a little meetup, you know, everybody who kind of follows, but uh, it was kind of crazy. I would do on Fridays, these, uh, these just empty threads where I would just say, Hey, have at it. And people would just comment on them about whatever. Cause there was no Twitter. Like normally you would just get on Twitter and say something, but that was the only way to have conversations back then. 
So were you were you very consistent about about publishing? Like, did you did you make sure you yes, did something every would, single day, or, or what every, was your routine? every day and sometimes twice a day? Um, I was in a position, a job where I was a project manager and I had lots of time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, so it it actually helped me do because you know, I was able to work on GIS projects on the side. So I would work on you know uh, we talked about the PostGIS, so replacing our Oracle Spatial with PostGIS. I would, that would be in like, I guess you Google call it your 20% time. I don't remember how much percentage time it was, but I would work on that and then blog about what I liked about it or disliked about it. And uh, because there were so few people talking, you know, Paul Ramsey would be like, you know, call me up and help me because what else does he have to do, you know, back then? Well, and what about as, as the audience kind of grew, did you ever worry about like, you know, maybe needing to change your, I mean, I can just tell you as, as someone who, who has read your stuff over the years, it always comes across as being very authentic. It, you know, like yeah. you're kind of saying what you actually feel. And maybe, and maybe that's just an elaborate persona that you're like on the, I don't know, but, but, I am not but like, do you ever worry like, about like, did you ever consider kind of start self-censoring or, or do you ever feel like, Oh my God, so many people are reading this now that I need to like no, tone never, it down or never, never, ever did that. Um, I would censor, you know, someone would tell me something, you know, from Esri or Microsoft or Google okay. and say, Hey, don't share this, but we want to like point you that this is coming down the pike. So you're aware of it. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't share that because, you know, they asked me not to, and I'm, I'm not a news organization, so I'm not like trying to scoop somebody, you know, the fact I'm the first person with Google Earth 4.2, who cares, you know, uh, that never bothered me. But as far as my feelings, I, I never censored them. Um, I think I wrap them in humor sometimes so that they weren't so potent. But I'll tell you, there's people at Esri that if I was crossing the street in front of them, they would not break. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they run me right over. Uh, and that's fine. I, you know, if, if you're so emotional about your project, I get it. I'm emotional about some things too. So I, I don't fault them for that, but it's not, I'm not going to say, you know, RGIS online is a great product, you know, if it's not. And so, you know, it's, I think I blogged about it like six months ago that actually it's gotten a lot better and it's honestly usable now. Um, but I never, you know, I would never just, I wouldn't, I don't think I go, I don't think I ever went purposely out of the way to hurt somebody, but I know, as I said, there are some hurt feelings at Esri and I've heard stories about that. Hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so I don't, it never, it never bothered me because a, I never wanted to work at Esri. And B, the companies I work for could care less about either that I was blogging or they liked that I blogged and it was worth the, you know, being able to get their message out. So, so then take us through how it evolved, because I know at different times you then, you know, then obviously Twitter came out. Then uh, for a while you had a YouTube channel where you were interviewing people. Yeah. You had a podcast for a while. Um, Planet Geospatial. You remember that? Oh, right. Yeah. My yeah. Blog <laughs> aggregator that, um, you know, that was that was a way that I would I created this blog aggregator that would be like you'd go to Planet Geospatial and you'd get a list of 100 blogs and you could watch if you didn't want to subscribe in your your rss reader you could just read this darn thing um you know i i did that I, that that ran until 2014 you know so you know that i think 2014 is if i look at my stuff that's kind of a switch from where there was consistent blogging and there was consistent you know interaction with blogs to twitter started taking over as so the primary everything just moved to twitter yeah 
it seems like that was about the time I blogged last, but I think I blogged last because I went from feeling like I could write a two sentence blog post and that was enough to that makes sense to put in Twitter. Right. And my blog became more like, what do you call it? Long form. Um, something that I write about, but you know, as you said, I was doing hangouts with James fee on YouTube. I had, <laughs> I've done everything. I had a podcast with Bill Dollins. I had, um, I had a, a newsletter that I used to put out, uh, and all these things, but I've I, through this all, I've just come to the conclusion that, the more places you put stuff, the harder it is for people to, to follow along. That's right? true. You know, uh, and, and so, you know, I, I would have, you know, a couple thousand people on my, um, my newsletter and then I write something on my blog. Do I link it? You know, and then you start cross-linking and it becomes this, this repetitive thing. So I just, uh, about two months ago, I just said, the heck with it. Um, I'm just going to blog now and blog just when I feel like it. I'm not going to do, you know, I'm not going to worry that I need to write 10 pages of something to make it worthwhile. If I want to post a picture of me drinking a Pepsi, so be it. I will do that. Um, so if my blog right now, I can have like five or six posts a day to having none for a week. And that's okay. Cause I'm not, I don't really care. It's like when I feel like I need to get something off and that's kind of when my blog started, it was just when I feel like I need to write something as opposed to, how I should write something. What is it, and so have you, I mean, I, I see that you're still on Twitter, but it feels like you're more just kind of chiming in there. Not, you're not kind of yeah, initiating the conversation a, there. Not really. Um, I'm, I'm waiting to see how this whole Twitter thing with Elon Musk falls out. I, I don't, I, I don't, we all are. Like we all are. Dude. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, part of me, you know, but where would we go? Who the hell knows? Like, you know, they're all, uh, which pick a billionaire. That's a bad person that you want to put on their service. Um, well, this is the big question with all these platforms, with all these, I mean, the, something like Twitter, I spend a lot of time on Twitter and I love it and it makes it so easy to converse and engage with people. And but then you do worry. Yeah. I mean, there could be a change of ownership, a change of rules. They could, you know, and, and, and then you think to yourself, should I really be investing? You know, as someone who had a very well tuned friendster profile that eventually, <laughs> you know, fell out from under my feet, I can tell you, it, you do think to yourself like, well, maybe, maybe I should be building my own kind of thing on a blog and a, or a newsletter or something rather than, so how do you, how do you see that? How do you, well, so I was so spatially adjusted my blog of 3000 posts over wow. 15, 20 years, you know, that thing, I shut it down. I said, no more here. Um, not because of any philosophical thing. I just think it ran its course. Um, it was very GIS centric. It was very Esri centric. It was very open source GIS centric. It wasn't, you know, it just became this thing. And, and I, it frustrates me to no end. I'm like, I need to learn about something and I do a search and it ends. My blog ends up being like the four or five <laughs> number one <laughs> Googles. I'm like, if I don't, if I'm the one who knows most about this, we're in trouble, but I just said no more. And then I thought about, well, where would I, do I create another blog? What do I do? And then I looked at microblogging. Um, you know, and there's a, there's, there's a product called micro.blog that I yeah. use now. It's a service, but I own like all my contact Kent is owned. It's on my own domain. It gets every update gets put into, um, GitHub. Um, so my content gets, you know, shared there. So I own it. It's not like, you know, like twitter.com slash 
KG James, like that URL is, I can't replace that. If Twitter right. was to kill me, that URL would go away. And even if I saved all my stuff, I nobody could find it again because they wouldn't know how to search for it. So that's sort of what led me to this micro blogging. Um, and I've, I've started finding people there and it's sort of like a, like a Twitter on steroids kind of thing. Maybe like LinkedIn where you, people can write longer stuff. Do the conversations have happen there, or it's more just your story and the content there? But the conversations still no, happen. They happen. Like uh, people will like uh, if I have a micro blog, so I think it's like micro blog slash jam fee or something like yeah. that. And so when if I were to, if you had one and I see you, I can respond to you, and you would see my my micro blog URL, and, and it would, and so you could see it's like your Twitter, like me replying on Twitter. I would say you know at Ed great great post i like what you're doing and you would see mine and we would be able to share across those platforms um i don't know if that's but see the problem is is there's not the people aren't there right that's not where the audience Uh, is yeah and but that's okay because like if you're trying to find the next i mean where am i going to go uh facebook no am i going to go to whatever the hell google does next no you know i mean it's either twitter or nothing i guess at this point Hmm. Well, well, I mean, one thing that you recently blogged about when you when you made this transition uh, is that your your own son is now studying GIS, basically entering the industry. So I guess I'm I'm wondering what what advice would you give to him or other young people yeah. as they start their career? You know, should people be kind of working in public? Would you say you're, that's a model that you would endorse for everyone, or it depends on the person? I think young, or, pe- young people are are like that now, right? They, they overshare. Yeah. Um, my, my son is like one of the few people, kids I know that does not have, I think he has a TikTok, but he doesn't have Instagram. He doesn't have a Snapchat. You know, I think he does TikTok. Who knows? I can't follow him, but he, he's not really big into this, but most kids like they overshare, you know, they share plenty of things about what they're doing. So I don't think they have the same worry about it that I do. I, what I would say to him is, you know, the collaborative nature of sharing has well outweighed any negative benefit, you know, for me not being able to attend an Esri user conference. I don't know if I'm blind. I don't, I, who knows if I'm. Give us some examples not, but, though. How, how has being so, so public helped your career and then has it opened doors for you people, or? It, I don't know if it has, well, it probably has opened doors a little bit, right? Because it's an easy intro. People know who I am. And right. so I don't have to explain who I am. It's a double-edged sword, of course, right? You either you like it or you don't like it. But from a learning perspective is I have learned so much from people who have commented, corrected me, you know, shared links with me over the oh, years right. of products I've used that I don't know if I would have gotten through normal channels, especially in the olden days, you know, pre we were saying 2014 before these newer discourse and slacks and Twitter's really became uh, the way people share. Um, You know, as I said, I don't know, I would have been as good with, well, who knows? I could have been as good as I am today with, with Postgres over time. But I think that, that, that learning curve was shortened for me because I had people who were able to, to give me help, you know, that I had no idea who they were. I didn't know know, Sean Gillies. Who the hell is Sean Gillies? I never heard of him before. You know, who's Howard Butler? I don't know any of these guys, except now I know him very well because I've interacted with him. Who are you? Like you and I, like we didn't live in the same town, but you know, we interact through these channels. 
Well, I, I think, as, you know, for someone like myself, I work, you know, it's a small business. And so I, I don't really have the opportunity. You know, I can't just pop to the neck to the desk next to me to ask someone a question, right? Because there is no desk yeah. next to me. And so, um, and so being, trying to be more public and, and sharing your problems and, and then exactly as you say, you do get the feedback on it, but have, have there been things that you've regretted or like, have you ever had posts that you've taken down or, or comments you've deleted? Yeah, I don't I, know. I, I think I've had one, I think I've had one post. I think, I think one year, well, one year, I think Esri brought me aside at a user conference and said, you need, you're on the edge. Wow. <laughs> you need to be careful. It was of it was of. ArcGIS Explorer, I think, of all things, a piece of junk application, but uh, which doesn't exist anymore. So I can I can call it a piece of junk because if it was any good, it'd still be here. Um, but there was a post years ago. I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he was a he was a director at Esri, and three or four people messaged me and said, "Oh, hey, so and so, Dave McGuire, Dave McGuire. He used to be a director at Esri. He's leaving," and people that. If I told you who were there at Ezra, you'd be like, this guy, this girl, this guy, they know what they know what they're talking about. This person would never. And I so I posted about it and said, hey, it's amazing. Dave McGuire's been leaving. Wonder where he's going. And then he wrote me this scathing email. I'm not leaving. You're an asshole. You know, um, all these things. And so I, I well, I didn't take it down. I, well, I did take it down, but I left it up and I said, look, honestly, I'm Mia Copa here. I emailed him to ch- say, hey, I heard you're leaving. And he didn't get back to me. So I said clearly you know, i thought his email's not working so i posted it but he apparently didn't want to address it or he was like why does james know about this it seems weird and so i did a man copa i said hey sorry if you still there and he was he was furious at me so i don't who knows what was going on in, internally right but yeah. the funny thing is that the next user conference we were like chums so who knows you know the stuff is <laughs> this stuff's weird but that's the only time that's the only time i've ever edited a post for anything other than um, other than spelling or, or something that was factually incorrect, you know, that I said, Hey, Google earth now supports this. And I was just, I read it wrong. Uh, and that was 2006. I think that that happened. So that was a long time ago. So I've right, been, that was kind of like in the early days of the internet when people, maybe people weren't as used to being talked about. Being public on, like that. And, yeah. Okay, so so on the whole, you would say being working in public, being outspoken like this has been beneficial for your for your career and for yeah. your. I mean, I, I don't know if I mean you say outspoken. Like, I don't feel like I'm going out of my way to be outspoken here. I'm just being honest, you know. Uh, that's I true. Think, that's true. Know, I mean, you know, what you see is is who I am. You know, there's some humor in in what I do. There's, you know, I I don't I rarely say, well, eh, it could be either way. Like, I always, you know, form an opinion about something. So, you know, that's who I am. And so, I guess if you're like, would would I want to work with James Fee? <laughs> yeah, I, I <laughs> guess it depends. I guess it depends what you like. I mean, for me, that's kind of why I like Twitter because people um, people do feel more like they can kind of say what they're actually feeling. Whereas, like you know, you go on a platform like LinkedIn and everyone is just like everything's so great, you know, delighted to yeah. announce this thing, blah blah blah, and it's just like, oh come on. I mean, you know, yeah. Or in public, you know, I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna do a lightning talk, but the lightning talks are rarely about, Hey, I screwed up and here's 
10 slides about me screwing up. You do see those, but okay. mostly they're about, Hey, here's this thing I did. And it was awesome. Right. You know, exactly. And the world is positive and everything works out. You know, ArcGIS online is a great, I look at this project I did, you know, and you don't, you leave out because you don't have the time, all the, you know, year of frustration you had with, you know, it doesn't have to be specifically with RTS online, but, you know, sharing tools and, and how you went through that, you just focus on the positive outcomes and Twitter, you know, or blogging allows you just to, in this moment, you know, cause there's a timestamp in this moment, this is how I feel. And this is, this is what I think, um, you know, do what, do I poke fun at people? Yeah. I poke fun at people sometimes when they're overly serious, you know, that's probably the one thing I do towards Esri is, you know, <laughs> kind of get at them a little bit, but, you know, it's all it's all good fun, I would think. Any any truth to the rumors that behind the scenes you've been spending a lot of time in the dance studio getting ready to launch your TikTok channel? <laughs> TikTok, yeah. That's like I should know more about TikTok, but like that's just a world to me that is like uh, Greek and it's so wild that I've been like this, you know, on top of every platform that's come out and here's this TikTok thing and I like I can't get I don't get it. So you're not um, denying you're not denying it is what you're saying. Uh I'm not I'm not denying it but I don't <laughs> get it, you know, and and if 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 I I who who knows, you know, the everything's on Instagram and TikTok nowadays. And those are two platforms. I rarely share anything on Instagram because it's, there's really no good linking back and forth, right? It's hard to share somebody's image. It's hard to comment to that kind of thing. And TikTok, man, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not on either one. I have to admit, I I hold myself to to Twitter and, and that's enough. I mean, frankly, that's already full time commitment so um it really is and and you know the funny thing about it all is is it's just you know you you only have amount of finite time right to do stuff and if you have to in the old days you could have a tool that could post all 10 social media channels back when we had those but that's not you know things you do on twitter should be twitter centric things you do on instagram should be photo centric things that you do on linkedin should be business you know you don't want to take the same content and just push it out to all the mediums and say, done. That's not, that's not interesting. That doesn't get you people to, to share back from you. So I, I think you're totally right. There's nothing worse than when companies are just putting out kind of blah, blah stuff. And it's obvious that they're just kind of forcing it out and not, not adapting it. So that there's actual engagement. Um, so yeah. What are what are the trends that, you know, as a longtime participant in the industry, what are the trends and things that you get excited about now? What what's got you excited for the next uh, for the coming years? Yeah. Boy, you know, I mean, you could you could get on the, the bandwagon and say, you know, machine learning and that kind of thing. I I think to me there's a lot going on there with automation of processes, you know, that we that we would in the GIS space traditionally think a GIS analyst does, right? Right. Hitting next, 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 save. Um, you know, having the volumes of data that are required to make decisions to extract information or, you know, uh, make decisions based on probe data that comes from sensors around. Right. Um, there's a lot going on with there. You know, here we do this all the time. So I'm seeing a lot of that. The digital twin space, I think that's still noisy and in, in, in people not really understanding what it is, but it's slowly coming. You know, we always talked in the old days about CAD is inside the building and GIS is outside the building. And, you know, you don't really combine the two, but digital twins are, you know, this ability to replicate you know, the real world in a digital space and do that with, you know, 
databases and, 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 and 3D models and those kind of things, you know, that continues to grow where I'm finally seeing real applications. You know, I just the other day I saw an example of an augmented reality app and I was like, that's the first augmented reality app I've ever seen that, that makes sense from a, a business. Standpoint. It was a, it was an app that somebody was using and they could point it at different um, mechanical spaces and, and learn, yeah. you know, the guy was trying to discover what was wrong with a pump and he was able to hold it up to different pumps and see, Oh, this pump's running find this one oh, right. you know okay. and i was like well that's that's a real world use case of augmented reality that i've ever seen you know most of it's like well hey here's a map and let me point it up on my uh, desk and oh we can see you know a volcano on my desk that's pretty cool no it's not cool nobody <laughs> nobody cares about that stuff so you know maybe we're finally getting close to that and i guess apple's got its vr glasses coming out so it usually seems when apple finally productizes some of these things that everybody in the industry comes along and fixes it you know i don't know the man i'm not a big believer in the in the goggles or glasses or whatever it just feels too oh, i'm not either to, I, I can't I, mean, look, I don't even have an apple watch anymore because i can't really? be bothered with with notices but i think though you know, those tools end up becoming usable. You know, the, what's Mike hollow Microsoft's hollow HoloLens. Yeah. They call it HoloLens. You know, that's been around for five, six years and you barely ever see it, but boy, once Apple figures this out, the, you know, meta has spent all the time on their VR, you know, um, Microsoft obviously does a Google probably has VR things left and right. Yeah. It just sort of waits for somebody to finally productize it where millions of people use it and it generally seems to be apples that so we'll see you know whether we're going to be walking around with glasses i don't know i can't i hate wearing glasses i wear sunglasses but no offense no offense to those on this call wearing glasses but i do wear glasses james but and it's, it's noted it's noted yeah, no, yeah you nerd but it but it is it is the case that um you know anytime there are new technologies right the barrier usually the technology goes way faster than the cultural ability to assimilate it and and to understand like oh, what use cases could this actually make sense in and which and often then the those use cases are completely different than the ones that were originally anticipated yeah. right so marketing jumps out ahead of technology right that this you know like it's like the technical people figure like digital twins the technical people figured out hey we can replicate these worlds in in, in a in a digital space and then the marketing people all of a sudden they jump to the end which is 10 years in advance and they start overselling it kind of like gis where it was oversold for years and people spent millions of dollars trying to do things they couldn't do so it's like technology eventually has to catch up to the marketers <laughs> and when those you you know, those lines intercross is when, you know, I think consumers are finally consumers, whether business consumers or or, um, you know, consumers like you or I want, want to invest in something. You know, that comes much later. Um, you know, when, when did Google got when did Google Glasses come out? That was like 2013, right? 2014. I don't know. I think it was earlier than that. The first one was like 2010. Yeah, it was or early. But, but yeah, they were so early, clunky. And and did they still exist? I mean, I don't what happened with Google. Is there a new version or is there a. I don't know, but I was in a meeting once at a company I was working at at the time and someone said, Hey, can you turn off, can you take off your glasses? I feel very uncomfortable with you wearing them. And it was like, it's like, well, this is the new world. <laughs> well, when it, when it very first was announced, there was a guy in Europe who like, like literally a week after it was announced, he made some, he took some normal glasses and he kind of stuck like some microchips on it and made it look like it was something. I mean, it was just a piece of junk, but then he went to a conference and he started telling people, he'd be like, Oh, I'm recording this. I'm recording. And people freaked out. 
I mean, the yeah. reaction of people was really, um, it was really quite funny to see how they, how they responded, but all right, well, we're not going to, I guess we're not going to predict the future. We're going to predict everything correctly, but all the more reason for people <laughs> to subscribe to your blog where they can, where they can get your comments as they, as they come in. So, um, uh, thanks for coming back on the show, James. Always, always interesting. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you if this prompted some questions? So, well, besides you know, TikTok, Twitter. TikTok, obviously. Yeah, always on Twitter under KG James, uh, which if you like to follow GIFs and uh, things like the responses, <laughs> GIF responses, that's me. Uh, and my blog is now located at jamesfee.org. So um, you can still go to Spatially Adjusted and click on the link to, to find my new space, but. Uh, that's where I'm. That's where I'm doing all my stuff now. Everything's now at James. I, I I can um, corroborate though. You are you are a very fast draw on the uh, the GIF responses on Twitter. <laughs> it's 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 impressive. It's impressive. It, like, uh, not if just we, if we work together. If we work together, we you would see that. That's the one thing people say is like, oh, I saw you on Twitter and now in Slack, you're the same way. I'm like, yeah, I'm quick with it. Not just the speed, but the relevance. I mean, some people are fast, but they're not relevant. And then some people are relevant, but, you know, it's like it's too slow. But not a lot of people are the full package, James. So, yeah, that's um, my mind right there in a nutshell. If you need a Simpsons (laughs) reference, get it in two seconds. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks very much. And um, I hope it was useful for listeners as they contemplate their own social media strategy to, to learn from one of the masters. So. Thanks again, be yourself. James. That's all I can say. Just be yourself. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully, you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any um, suggestions for topics that we should uh, cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. Um, You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. Um, You can follow Stephen at Stephen Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. Um, you can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode, and of course, seeing you at a future GMOP event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.